thankful for the words of those hymns and those songs we got to sing. Thankful for the ministry of music, Brendan and Adriana, Tracy and Patrick. Thank you so much. Thankful for you guys. Thankful for our country. Thankful for a nation where we can come and gather in this way, freely, uh, unobstructed, unhindered in any way. Um, need to let you know we're going to be turning to one place this morning, Acts chapter 26. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9, but we will turn to Acts chapter 26 along the way. I want you to know that. The title of our message this morning is Newness of Life. Let me pray. I know Patrick just did, but let me pray as well. Let's open with that. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time. Thank you for our time in the Sunday school hour, Lord. Thank you that the peace of God can rule in our hearts. Help that to be the case now. There's not a lot of peace in the world, but may your peace just rule in our hearts now as we look into your word. Ms. Patrick has already prayed, Father. Let your word dwell richly in us this morning. Open your word to us in wonderful ways this morning. Help me to proclaim it as I should and help us to respond to it as we should as well. In Jesus' name, for his glory, amen. Um, Signposts mark mark the way. Hey, if you are in a town like we are, or kind of a city area, this is kind of city like to me anyway. Um, you can see a sign, and you a signpost marks your way. If you're in a more rural area, you might need a certain tree. You know, you might give directions to someone go seven tenths of a mile, and you're going to see a cedar tree that's bent over the road, and about. Three miles after that, you're going to make a sharp right turn, and then you're going to see a big rock, and three-tenths past that, make a, make, a, make a left, and you're going to be where you're going to go. But signposts like that mark our way. If you're on a long trip and you're talking to someone, you might say, hey, on your way, you might want to stop in Nebraska at this certain restaurant because they got really good food. And it's reassuring when someone gives us directions that we find things just as they have been described, hey? I spent a lot of time out in the woods looking for logging equipment and got directions kind of similar to what I'm describing to you. And you could tell when someone's giving you directions on the phone whether or not they're giving good directions. You've kind of got to learn to read between the lines so you can ask the right questions. And directions in miles and tenths are very good directions. But when you, when you find that things are just as they were described, there's a, there's a certain kind of comfort with that, isn't there? Just a, it's a comfortable feeling. I haven't turned the wrong way. I'm not going to end up down a road and stuck with this big truck. I'm not, I'm not going the wrong direction. There's something else with regard to that. Let's say you go on a vacation somewhere. And I've heard this even in this congregation. Someone's gone on a vacation and they come back and they're talking to someone else about they've gone to the same place. And you get to talking about that and you realize, yeah, did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. And did you see this? Yeah, I saw that. I experienced that too. And there's a bit of a joy in that. Hey, eh? There's a joy in having that mutual connection of having gone to the same place, experiencing the same things along the way. It creates some ties that bind. Just that little bit of something creates a tie that binds, knowing that someone's been the same place you've been. Ron got to go to Bark River Bible Church two weeks ago, and I'm so thankful he got to do that. And um, Ron and I are already close, but <laughs> there's a new tie there, right? That church family and this church family is tied in a new way. And the Christian life has been likened to a pilgrimage. The Christian life, your Christian life, has been likened to a 
pilgrimage, a journey, you might say. And it has many segments to that journey. It's a journey that we're only going to take once. Your Christian life is a journey you're only going to take one time. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Are you all with me? Your Christian life is a journey that you're only going to take one time. You're not going to get a repeat. This is it. And hopefully we learn and we grow along the way. But there is always some element to our Christian experience, our Christian life, some element of that that is like what the Lord said to Joshua. You've not passed this way before. There's always some element of that in our Christian experience, or there ought to be. You've not passed this way before. Wherever you're at in your Christian life, your Christian walk, your Christian journey, you have not passed this way before. You've learned some things along the way, hopefully, and you're carrying those things with you. But where you're at right now, you've not been here before. Same with me. It can be affirming and reaffirming, a source of comfort and joy to find out that someone has blazed the same trail. There are some things that we do not have in common with the Apostle Paul. Namely, he's an apostle and we're not. And with that comes a whole lot of stuff, right? There's a lot of things we don't have in common with the Apostle Paul. Or with each other, for that matter. There's a lot of things we don't necessarily have in common with each other. There's a wonderful diversity in the body of Christ. And I love that about Christianity. There's a wonderful diversity in the body of Christ. But there are some things that we do have in common that are worth pointing out. Some things that we have in common with the Apostle Paul that are worth pointing out this morning. And things that are worth hanging on to as we go along our way, as we journey along our way, as we leave this place and this moment in time and we continue down this Christian experience that each one of us is living. It's fresh every day. What is, is it the psalmist that says, thy mercies are new every morning. It's a new experience. And there's some things that we have in common with one another and with the Apostle Paul. For Saul of Tarsus, Jesus has come in and Saul has a new life in Christ. Saul's going to be changed. His name's going to be changed to Paul. And for us as believers... Jesus has come in and we have new life in Christ. That's something we have in common with the Apostle Paul. And Paul has a lot to say about that. When you read Paul's writings, you read of this guy that has just a lot to say about what this new life in Christ is like for him. And he wants to express that to believers to let them know what this life ought to be like. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning from the book of Colossians, and we have been for, for some weeks now. So when he writes these things, these things he has to say about his new life in Christ, he's not just putting words on a page because they sound good. He's speaking from personal experience. This is my experience as a Christian, and I want you to know what this experience has been. And he acknowledges what God has done for him and in him and through him. 
What God has done through the Apostle Paul, we're going to begin to discover that as we continue on through the book of Acts. We're going to start looking at what Paul, do, what, what God does through the Apostle Paul. But I really want to focus in this morning on what God has done in him. Those things that God has done in this man, Saul. In 2 Corinthians, let's see if I can make this go. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Thank you, Josh. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It is the last part of that verse right there that I want to bring alongside our text today as we focus on this message. And our message is focused on that, that statement. Behold, all things, all things have become new. All things have become new. We have that in common with each other. We have that in common with the Apostle Paul. After coming to faith in Christ, it is this, this reality. We are new creations in Christ. And behold, all things have become new. And it, it's a good thing to, to have affirmed. And it's a good thing to have reaffirmed to our hearts this morning. It's a comfort and a joy to know that someone has blazed the same trail that we're on. Even though we have this unique Christian experience as individuals, there are signposts along the way, and, 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 and I want to look at some of them this morning. The old all things are become new. If you just look in the text that Steve read for us, uh, in verse 19, it says, And he took food and was strengthened. And he took food and was strengthened. The Apostle Paul has a new appetite. He hasn't ate or drank in three days, and he's got this new appetite. Now, he might have been fasting, waiting to hear from the Lord, because the Lord said, you're going to go in Damascus, and you're going to wait. Because he asked, he asked the Lord, what will you have me do? Who are you, Lord, and what will you have me do? And so he's in Damascus, and he's waiting to hear further instruction. He may have been fasting, but I got a feeling there was some emotion back of that. And that emotion was the, the, the reality that he'd been persecuting the church of the living God. I think that hit him like a ton of bricks and he just doesn't have an appetite. But now he's got a new appetite. And it's it's a physical appetite, but he's going to have appetite for other things as well. And we're going to see that. But he's got a new appetite, Paul does. And it says, and when he had received food, he was strengthened. Jesus said, after meeting with the woman at the well and the disciples come back, he says, I have food that you know nothing about. I think Paul is going to begin to experience that. And we have that in common with one another, and we have that in common with the Apostle Paul. We need physical food. We need that for our bodies. We need nourishment in that way to strengthen us physically. But when it comes to spiritual matters, these things strengthen us spiritually, and it's food that the world knows nothing about. It, it is something that's brand new for the believer when you first come to faith in Christ. And we need reminding of that. Saul's going to eat something. It's going to restore his physical strength. And the Lord provides it for him. And we're going to see that his spiritual strength is going to be growing as well. He's going to be being renewed day by day. There's going to be a constant freshness to his Christian life. That's what I'm trying to say. His Christian life is going to have this constant freshness to it. Now, we long for that. We want that to be the case. 
Oh, I, I, if, I, if I surveyed every believer in this room and I said, would you want your Christian life to be a dull, drab experience? You'd say, no, I, I want it to be fresh and vibrant. We, we want that. The reality is that is the case for us. Wherever you're at with your walk with the Lord, even if you've been in a period of dry spell, the Lord's been using that to bring you to this point right now. To right here and now. You won't be this place again. You won't be in this place again. You've never been here before. Neither have I. This is brand new for us today as Christians. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. So he has a new appetite. He also has some new affections. Look at the second part of that verse 19. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. He has new affections. He has some new people in his life that he has to be around. These very people that he went to go persecute and to haul off, to take to prison, to have to maybe see some of them killed, he has to be with these people. He's got new affections. He's got new love for the family of God. This is his first interactions with his new family. Paul, The Apostle Paul's First interactions with his new family are this, is this. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. Could you imagine what that time was like for him? Can you think back to when you first trusted Jesus as Savior and you walked into the church for the first time after that happening? How you couldn't help but sing out praises? I can remember this. I can remember this. I can remember this. It was joyful, exuberance. How every word that the pastor was saying, I was fixed to. Every word on the page, I wanted to look at every word on the page. It was like brand new. This, this, this is all new to Paul. Behold, all things are become new. God's word is not just this dull, rote book to Paul. All of a sudden, it has come alive because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus is alive, the word of God has come alive. And he has this new family that he's become a part of. He has new affections. When, when you come to faith in Christ, you start finding out that you have more in common with believers you're meeting for the first time than you have in common with people you've known your whole life. What, what an amazing thing. And isn't that a wonderful affirmation or reaffirmation of the truth that we have this in common with the Apostle Paul? Behold, all things have become new. All things are brand new. You could travel from here 9,000 miles away and end up someplace in a jungle or a desert and meet a believer for the first time. You realize, this is my brother. Or this is my sister in Christ. And that closeness is almost so instantaneous, it's, it's hard to describe, isn't it? It's just beautiful. I see you guys nodding your head. This is the reality of the Christian experience. We have this in common with the Apostle Paul. There's a lot we don't have in common with one another and there's a lot we don't have in common with the Apostle Paul, but we have these things in common. Behold, all things have become new. We have new affections, brand new affections. When I first came to North Valley Bible Church and I met this wonderful church family, I felt so close to you guys instantly, instantly. There is a warmth of affection between the people of God. No believer can say, or, or ever should say, I belong to Christ, but I don't belong to any church. It just shouldn't be a part of where we're at. If you have Christ, you have the body of Christ. 
If you don't have the body of Christ, you might want to question if you have Christ. The Apostle John talks about that in 1 John. This is how we know love. This is how we know that we love God if we have love for one another, he says. He has these new affections. He, he didn't create these new affections in himself. They just were there. Same with me. I didn't have to drum up these new affections. They just were there. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. That should be so affirming or reaffirming. The Holy Spirit is real in your life today. Real. He has a whole new view of things. These new affections are reciprocal, even if imperfect. What do I mean by that? Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. What, what a warm thing that must have been between Paul and them. But look at verse 26. When he, come, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They were afraid of him, and it's understandable. This was the guy that was persecuting the church. And why were they afraid of him? They weren't sure if he was a disciple. So this, 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 this love, these new affections, they're reciprocal even if they're imperfect. And it's something to remember. Even if they're imperfect, these affections are reciprocal. As soon as they find out he is a believer, he is a disciple, guess what happens? That reciprocal thing happens. They, 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 they accept him. He has all new associations. We do too. New attachments. New allies, you might say. He's going to be lowered in a basket by the disciples in Damascus. And Barnabas is going to come and, and, and let folks know, hey, you can trust this. This is real. He really has trusted the Lord. He's been preaching Jesus. He has these new affections. Do you imagine the whole new perspective he has on worship? What a change that must have been for Paul. To, to, to hear people really pray. What that must have been like for the Apostle Paul to get around believers, those believers in Damascus, and to hear people really pray. And to hear people really praise the Lord. What a joy it must have been for him to spend time with these disciples in Damascus. The Apostle Paul has such a total transformation that it's hard for people to, re to recognize is that real. But behold, all things had become new. And Paul has new affections. He goes to meet with the disciples in Jerusalem. What's the first thing he do does when he goes to Jerusalem? He was trying to associate with the disciples. Same thing for us. You go on a vacation. You know, when I go on vacation, one of the things I get most excited about, where am I going to go to church on Sunday? I just get excited about that thought. I'm going to go meet some other believers. Where am I going to be this coming Sunday? Or if you were to move to a new town, one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in moving to that new town is, what church is God going to plant me in? New affections. A real desire to be with other believers. Behold, all things have become new. This was not Paul's 
bent prior to coming to faith in Christ. Now he has this desire to be with the people of God. Behold, all things have become new. He has a new family. He has a new regard for people. It's Paul who's going to write to the Galatians in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an important verse in this day and age, in this hour, in this nation, in this place? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. In saying that, he's saying that in Christ they are all part of the same body. All new creations in Christ. He's not removing all distinctions, but joining. He's doing this joining of each individual into that same body with Christ as the head. All saved by grace. All sons of God, in particular in that context of Galatians. He's saying you're all sons of God. So you all have the hope of heaven. All Christians stand on the same footing and all responsible all responsible for each other. We talked about that in Sunday school as well. We're responsible to one another, for one another. We are responsible for one another. This is brand new. I had no responsibility to the people of the church of the living God prior to coming to faith in Christ. After coming to faith, I became responsible. And they were responsible. We are responsible for one another. We have responsibilities toward one another. And it's a good responsibility. It's not a negative. It's not a burdensome responsibility. It's a joyful, it's a joyful responsibility, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. You know, we we had potlucks until this COVID thing came out fairly often. We got to get back to them pretty soon. Because because it it, it kind of gets us in that joyful spirit, doesn't it? Just meeting together and talking with one another as a body, all of us together. And in saying this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. He's saying there's no space in the body of Christ for racism or favoritism or sexism or national prideism or whatever you want to say. They're all one in the body of Christ. All things have become new. A Christian has new affections and new associations and new allies and it includes people from every walk of life because we're all one in Christ. This is brand new. Brand new. It doesn't exist outside of biblical Christianity unless it's a forced thing. But we rejoice in this. And it's a natural thing. You can meet someone that doesn't even speak your language and find out, I have this brother that I'm so close with, it just blows my mind. I can only talk to him through an interpreter, but I love this guy and he loves me and I know it. What a wonderful thing. All things have become new. He's got new appetites and new affections and he's involved with new activities. Verse 20. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the Son of God. Well, there's a new activity for the Apostle Paul. That's complete 180, right? He was, I don't like this Jesus character. I'm persecuting the Christians. Now he's proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. This verse tells us who he preached. He preached Jesus. And where he preached, he preached in local Jewish assemblies. That's bold, hey? 
He's just bold with the gospel. He's just bold with the truth. The righteous are bold like a lion, right? He is just bold because the truth is on his side. He can just proclaim it. And he's comfortable to do that. And it says what he proclaimed. He proclaimed that Jesus, this Jesus, is the Son of God. That this Jesus is the Messiah. Not that he was, that he is the Messiah. He proclaims a living Savior. A living Savior. He's living today. He's living today. We haven't been this way before. You've not been in this place you're at before. Right where you're at in your spiritual walk. But you need to hear today. You need to be reminded. I need to be reminded that our Savior lives. He lives. And we have the same Holy Spirit Paul was given. The same Holy Spirit. And behold, all things have become new. For you and for me, for the Apostle Paul, it was the case. For every believer, all things are new. We have new affections. We have uh, new appetites. And we have new activities we're involved with. When I first got saved, I didn't even know what I was thinking. But I knew I had to tell someone. And what did I do? I ran out to my barn and I used we had a dial phone at that time. And I'm dialing. It was long distance. One. Three. One. Three, calling my brother, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. Where does that come from? That didn't exist 20 minutes earlier. I got to tell someone. Where does that come from? I have new activities. I have to tell someone about Jesus. I can't help it. I have to tell someone about Jesus. You meet someone on the street and you're talking with them, you realize, oh, this person's life is a mess. They need Jesus. What happens? You have to tell them about Jesus. Or they're bound in some religious system that has them lost. You have to tell them about Jesus. We have new activities. We have this in common with the Apostle Paul. The old all things have become new. These are the signposts along the way. You're on the right path. You're heading the right direction. You haven't missed the mark. You've made the right turn. You're heading the right way. The Lord hasn't abandoned you. What a change in activities for this man. An all new set of plans never had before. Before coming to faith in Jesus, he could have never imagined. Neither could anyone else, by the way. Verse 21, all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not the one? Isn't this the same guy that was persecuting the church in Jerusalem? Isn't this the same guy? Paul couldn't have imagined it. Neither could anyone else that he would be preaching Jesus. Before he had his own agenda, now he has a new agenda. He's got a whole new agenda. What's on his agenda? Who am I going to preach Christ to today? And how am I going to do that? That's, that's his agenda. There are different points in my life, probably in yours as well as a Christian, that you're more focused on that agenda than you are at other times. I want to encourage you, brother and sister, you know it. There's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more rewarding than to share the love. Nothing better. It doesn't get any better than that. Not in an obnoxious way. Not because I have to kind of thing. For the joy of it. For the simple joy of it. The old all things have become new. Prior to coming into faith in Christ, the Apostle Paul would have been talking to people about Jesus, preaching, no. Behold, all things have become new. Now he can't contain himself. He has to preach Jesus. He preached instantly. He has to tell someone. 
And he preached with force. The force of a truth behind his words. Eternal truth is not too easy to refute. It's not easy to refute. It's cutting sometimes. It's convicting to the sinner. When I called my brother Mike and I got him on the phone, I thought, well, I won't just start talking about Jesus right away. You've probably heard this a few times. I'll just tell him what I've been reading in the Bible. That's what I'll do. And I'll work my way into Jesus. Something in the Word of God convicted my brother. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he can remember what it was, but he started hollering at me and saying, you calling me the devil then? And I said, I didn't even mention the devil's name. What are you? I had to hold the phone back because he's yelling at me. That I'm thinking, what just happened? I didn't know what happened. I know now conviction came. But Paul preached with conviction as one sent from God. He was preaching, bringing accountability to all who heard He had to tell the truth about Jesus. Saul's a new creation in Christ. And so, behold, all things have become new. Same for us. So he has new appetites, new affections, new activities. And he's under new authority. Verse 21, all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Is this not the same guy? He had the authority of the chief priest. This was his intention, but now he's under new management, right? New management. Have you ever see those signs on a hotel room under new management? What are they saying? Maybe you didn't want to stay here before, but we clean things up. It's under new management, right? Paul is under new management. All those who heard him continued to be amazed. They were astonished. Why were they astonished? Because all this had become new. It was new. He was under the highest possible authority. He was already a pretty well-known man. Everyone knew about him. So he had this captive audience because of that. Here's this guy that is so one way, one direction, well-known, and now we see that. We'll hear someone that is a prominent atheist or a prominent someone or other, and they come to faith, and everyone gets excited about that because they they have an audience. They have a voice. We're thinking that could be an exciting thing. Sometimes it's a big letdown, but boy, do we get excited about that, eh? But Paul's the real deal. Behold, all things had become new. He had truly trusted in the living Savior. They recognized him as this man that used to, who in Jerusalem destroyed, who called... Those who called on this name. He used to do this and he used to do that and he used to do that. When I came to faith in Christ, I worked with the same guys at the same place prior to coming to faith in Christ and for many years after coming to faith in Christ and probably a year or so after coming to faith in Christ, I had one of them guys ask me, Dan, what happened to you? You used to and you used to and you used to and you used to and I said, yeah, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me. All things have become new. That's not the words I use, but that was the truth. And this man recognized it in me. Something happened. What is that? And I'm I'm saying to you, same thing for you, same thing for me. Behold, all things are new. We're not under the same old management anymore. Even though at times it might feel like we've, we've caved into that old management. We're not under the same management anymore. All things are new. We're under new management. 
Acts 26. I said we turn there. Let's go there now. We got about 10 minutes left. You guys all still following along? 10 minutes will be done. Lord willing. Acts 26. Paul speaks often about his conversion and what the Lord had to say to him and in different ways and he shares little snippets here and there. By the way, I haven't dealt at all with uh, this thought that Paul, when he speaks to the Galatians, tells them he went into Arabia for a little while. It's hard to kind of nail that down when he went into Arabia, when he actually went into Arabia. I kind of think it's between verse 25 and 26. That's just a thought for us to have afterward at some time, but I kind of think that's when that happened. Might be wrong there. But... Um, Here's one of the places where he speaks of, and in Galatians he does as well, where he speaks of his conversion experience. Acts 26, 15. And we're talking about the fact that he's under new authority. That, that's what I want to bring out by looking at this, okay? I don't want to get off track with that. I have the verses up here if you don't have your Bible. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So he's, he's relaying his conversion experience. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. So Jesus is going to tell Paul the purpose he appeared to him. To appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things in which you, in which I will appear to you, or the things I will yet show you, I think is what he's saying there. Delivering you from your own people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So he has a promise from the Lord that the Lord's going to deliver him. Verse 18, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God and they might, they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So he, Paul is relaying the purpose for why Jesus came to him the way he did. And then he says to King Agrippa in verse 19, so King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Then he goes on to say, for this reason some Jews seized me. Paul is under new authority and the authority was from Jesus himself and the authority that he was given was to go and to preach repentance, right? I'm sending you. Jesus said, as a minister and a witness to these things and to some other things, and I'm going to rescue you, and I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. He's under new mansion. He has new authority. We have the same authority. We have this in common with Paul. We're not apostles. These promises given to Paul, these things stated to Paul, they were for Paul, but in principle, we have the same thing. We are to go. We are to go and to share this. To open eyes that are blind, to turn people from darkness to light, the dominion of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Paul's under new authority. Back to Acts 9. He has new appetites, new affections, new activities. He's under new authority. He also has new assurances and new abilities. He's finding a new spiritual power welling up from within him. It says in verse 22, it starts out, 
kind of strange. It says, but Saul kept increasing. In other words, these people are coming, coming and, and wondering what's going on with him. They might, be, might even be asking him, Saul, what happened to you? There's a lot of hubbub about what happened to Saul. But it says here, but Saul kept increasing in strength. The hubbub and, and, and the, hey, what happened to you? You used to. Did not diminish Saul's spiritual strength. It, it, it helped to grow him in strength. It, helped, it, 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 it was used of the Lord to grow him in strength. He, he had this new spiritual power welling up from within. And we have this in common with Saul of Tarsus as well. All things have become new. He was operating under his own strength for a long time, and now he has this new spiritual power. This is brand new. This is brand new for us too. And it's, it's new differently depending on the day you're living. You've not been here before. You won't be here tomorrow. This is where you are at right now spiritually. You are right where you're at right now spiritually, and you have the power needed to live out this day for, for the glory of God. We have that power available to us. We have a spiritual power that can well up from within us. If we're not quenching the Spirit. If, we, if we're not living in unconfessed sin. His conviction of the truth that he's been proclaiming is growing. He kept increasing. As, as he is, as Saul is exercising his spiritual gifts and the things that the Lord told him to go do. As he's doing that, he's growing in spiritual strength. That's a big point for you and me today. Every believer has a spiritual gift. As you exercise that spiritual gift, you will grow in spiritual strength. But as you walk away from that, and say, no, I don't think that's for me. I don't think I should do that. I don't think I should be involved. As you start making excuses and you're not engaged in those things, your strength will diminish. I think he's growing in strength because he's exercising his giftedness. He has new assurances and he has new abilities. He's not self-assured, but he's reassured by the Word of God as he looks into the Old Testament and he thinks of this Jesus who met him on the Damascus Road. He has these new assurances. It says that he was proving that this Jesus is the Christ. I looked at that and I came up with this sentence that, that is this, when the proof is in the preaching. Hey? When Paul preached, the proof was in the preaching. When he preached, it was with the power of the Holy Spirit and the proof of what he was saying was in that preaching. People heard it and thought, yeah, I'm hearing that. I might not like it, but I can't disagree with it intellectually. But there was a heart problem, still a heart problem because it was rejected. He's going to have to get let down in a basket. We've got to hurry along here. He's got new adversaries. That's the last point. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. It's one of the gates going into that city. It still exists today. You can get into that city through that gate. And they're watching that gate. If they see Saul, they're going to take him and they're going to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in a wall, in the wall, and lowering him in a large basket. Here's this man that came ready to bind people who was bent on conquest, and he's going to leave in a basket. Hey? 
Behold, all things have become new. While He's imparting life through the ministry of the Gospel, they are intending to kill Him. All His former relationships are now hostile to Him. We have that in common with Him as well. Prior to coming to faith in Christ, I had some buddies I used to hang around with and do things with. And after coming to faith in Christ, not so much. In fact, there was a bit of hostility. Maybe more than a bit of hostility that came my way. Had that in common with Saul of Tarsus. Behold all things. Why? Because all things have become new. We are new creations in Christ. We are not what we once were. We're brand new. There's some more verses here. Probably tackle them next week. So we're going to look at verse 31 as a solo verse, I think. But we see that this plot to kill him extends to Jerusalem. And he's got to get out of town there as well. The Hellenistic Jews were attempting to put him to death in verse 29. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. There's the body of Christ. These new affections that are reciprocal. Those that were a little untrusting at first now love this man and they're going to take care of him. I don't know what you'll do with this message, but I want what I want to get across to you this morning is that we don't have everything in common with the Apostle Paul. We're not apostles and there's a lot of other stuff we don't have in common with him. And there's things we don't have in common with one another. But these things we have in common. Behold, all things have become new. We are not who we used to be. And that's the case today. Even if you've been given over to the flesh, you are not who you used to be. You don't have to live like you used to live. And we don't have to make excuses for ourselves and say, well, that's the way I grew up and that's the way I... No, we are not who we used to be. We should have new appetites. We have new affections. We're under new management. We have new authority. We have new assurances. We have new activities. New abilities. And yeah, we have new adversaries, so we need to be praying for one another. Let me close with a word of prayer. We have communion today. Rick and Soren, if you would come up. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Saul of Tarsus, who will become uh, the Apostle Paul. Thank You for what is written of him. Thank You that um, as we look at that, we can see that there are those who went before us that blazed the trail before us. And while not every detail is the same, there are some principles that are so similar for us, Lord. Things that help us as we walk each day in the newness of life, into brand new days, into places we've never been before. Help us to remember that you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen.